The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. In today's passage, we're looking at a situation where the Pharisees, the Pharisees are asking Jesus, give us one more big, gigantic sign. Give us some big, big sign. And the problem with that is Jesus has already been giving them all kinds of signs. Many of the people see the signs and know that God is clearly in this and start to follow Jesus. And yet the Pharisees are like, give us another one, please. We want another sign. Give us a really big sign. And, and sometimes, um, let me ask you guys this. How many of you guys have asked God for a sign before? Okay. How many are asking God for a sign right now? Okay. Uh, you know, historically, this is what we do even in the Bible. There's been People have been asking God, can you help me out? Can you give me a sign? God is the living God, the loving God. He's the all-powerful God, the knowing God. He's got plans for you and for me. And sometimes we don't know the detail of his plan. And so we're going, God, what is next? What's my next step? I need clarity on my direction. Would you give me a sign? If this is you, would you show me somehow? And if it's not you, would you show me somehow? Because God opens doors no man can shut. And he closes, shuts doors no man can open. So we, we ask God for these signs. We're going to unpack that and how it looks in this passage and how it uh, applies to our lives. But there's a quick story of a, uh, of a farmer. And this farmer was asking God for a sign. And so he, he prayed, God, would you give me a sign? I really need a sign from you. And, and one day he walks outside uh, his front door and he looks up in the sky and he sees this cloud formation And the formation is really weird. And he looks at it and he's staring at it. And to him, it is saying GPC. The the clouds are shaped like letters, GPC. So he comes home and he tells his wife, I think God gave me the sign I've been waiting for. And she's like, honey, what is it? And he goes, "I, I think it's GPC. And I think that means go preach Christ. So he sells the farm and he goes out on the road to be a traveling evangelist. And after a couple of months, he comes home and Tells his wife, look, this isn't really, I don't think this is working out right. I'm really wondering if that was even a sign from God. She goes, do you think it was a sign from God? She goes, yeah, I I think it was a sign from God, but I think GPC didn't mean go preach Christ. It meant go plant corn. That's what we should have been doing, honey. Sometimes we get a sign. Sometimes we don't know how to interpret the sign. Sometimes we're not sure if it is a sign. And yet we've been asking for signs and we do ask for signs. Signs are something that uh, we've been asking for for a long, long time. You know, Christy and I, uh, 20 years ago, we, um, <clears throat> we were about to get married. And uh, our wedding was just a couple months away and I, uh, we were looking to buy a house. And I just sold my house in San Diego. And so we're ready to find a house. And friends of ours on the west side, that's where we were doing ministry for years on the west side, um, uh, friends of ours on their, on their block, they said, hey, there's a house that's just come up sale or it's coming on sale like this week right in our neighborhood. So we'd already been praying, God, open the doors for a, for a house for us. And um, so all of a sudden they, they tell us about this house and we go by and look at it and we go, awesome, this must be an answer to prayer. And we write an offer and we put the offer in. Of course, when you put the offer in, you put it in with a deposit check, right? So you put this in and we were down right down the street from the house at the local Taco Bell and we're sitting there eating and we're going, wow, this is crazy. You know, something's gonna, we're gonna find out pretty soon whether we get it. And all of a sudden, this great conviction came over us. And the conviction that we felt is, 
although it seemed like a good thing, we didn't really bring this particular house, this particular house, 20 years ago before the Lord in focused prayer and get super clear clarity. We knew he was opening doors, we were getting married, we were going to get a house, but this specific house, we didn't actually bring it before the Lord. We didn't get clarity on this particular house. And all of a sudden, we start to feel a, uh, not, not, a, not a guilt, but, a, but a, um, a, a conviction, and we're thinking, oh Lord, did we just get ahead of you? Did we just jump at this way too soon? And we're like, oh no, so we, we began to pray. And then we did something that is not theologically sound. Tell your neighbor, don't do what Pastor B did. Tell him, tell your neighbor, don't do what Pastor B did. Okay, <laughs> we're like, okay, Lord, we gotta know, we just submitted this offer, this is crazy. Lord, show us right now. When I took out a shiny coin, I took out a quarter. <clears throat> I know what you're thinking. <clears throat> and I said, we said, Lord, show us if this is your will. Heads if it is and tails if it's not. Tails. Oh, no. That's why we're feeling this conviction. And Christy says, do it again. <laughs> okay. It's Tails. Tells the Lord saying, no, we jumped ahead. We put an offer, we put a deposit, we, we got ahead of the Lord and we're, you know, it's 20 years ago, you know, you're developing your theology and how you operate with the Lord in signs and we're like, we got a little head. She goes, do it again. Tails. She said, do it again. Tails, tails, tails. At this point, I think the chandelier is going to fall on me or I'm going to get struck because I'm really putting the Lord to the test. Tails, tails, tails. We're done and we're like, Lord, I'm sorry, we, we got ahead of you. We got ahead of you on this. And the thing about it is I was sure our offer was going to go through. It was better than their neighbor had put in an offer because uh, they had family thinking of buying the house. And I knew our offer was better because our friends already told us we had a better. So I already knew we were going to get it. And I'm like, oh, no, what are we going to do? The Lord said, no, we're going to have to walk away from our deposit and this house. And sure enough, they called us on Monday and they said, we opted to go with the lower offer. We know the neighbor and we're going to take their offer. And we're like, Thank you, Lord. And I only say that because we're looking for signs. <laughs> Don't do the coin flip thing. Hey, what did you learn in church? Pastor B said flip a coin. You want to know what God wants you to do? Just flip a coin. Do not quote me that way, okay? We evolve in our theology and our understanding of God and our knowledge of how he works. But, but uh, that's what God showed us again and again. And we realized ourselves, we got ahead of God a little bit and we jumped ahead. And we can do that in our lives. Sometimes we need to sit back be still, pray and wait and hear from the Lord. Listen to his still small voice or he may in fact uh, give you a sign. Of course, you've heard about the, um, the guy who, who was praying for a sign as the floods were rising. The floods were rising in his town and as the floods started to get up to the first floor, they came by in a big bus with big wheels and they said, hurry up, get in. The banks of the river were overflowing. Hurry up and get in the bus. And he's like, no, it's okay. My God will save me. And the bus drives away, and as the waters rise even higher, he's in the second floor, and at this point, they come by with a boat, and they said, hurry up, jump in, jump in, the floods are rising. He says, it's okay, my, my God will save me. And the boat takes off, and pretty soon he's up on the roof holding onto the chimney, and a helicopter comes, dropping a ladder, and he's like, nope, it's okay, it's okay, my God will save me. And the next scene, we see the guy, he's in heaven, and he's standing before God, and he's like, God, what happened? I told everybody you would save me. And the God, God's like, you didn't get the sign? I sent a bus, a boat, and a helicopter, and you still didn't get the sign. Um, the bottom line, God does give us signs. Sometimes we don't recognize the signs. Sometimes we do. We're going to be looking at this passage. If you want to turn your Bible, Matthew 12. We're picking up where we left off last week, going through 
the, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and we're looking at a sign from God. And you know, you probably have people in your life, people you love and you care about, friends, family, neighbors, uh, maybe people you work with, and, and you're praying, what is it going to take for them to wake up to the love of God? What is it going to take? Is it going to take a sign from God? And some people say, yes, it will take a sign from God. And I know people that have come to faith that said, God, if you're real, I need a sign. Give me a sign if you're real. And God has given them signs. But I just want to tell you, not everybody who gets a sign responds in faith because they get a sign. Um, that's not always what happens throughout history. Uh, we see that to be true. We're going to see that here in the Bible today. But if you're a note taker, there's a quick, quick few points. I'd love for you to jot these down or put them in your phone. This has to do with signs, signs from God. If God is given a sign, when God gives a sign, if God gives a sign, what signs do, what signs don't do. And here's some important things about signs. The first point is this. It's not wrong to ask for a sign. It's not wrong to ask for a sign. Sometimes we wonder, like, should I ask for a sign? I don't know if I, I'm allowed to. Is it, is it, like, not faithful if I do? You know, what's the deal? Can I ask? Yes, it's okay to ask for a sign. Moses, when he encountered God face to face, God said, listen, here's your calling. You're going to go to Moses, you're going to go to uh, Pharaoh, and you're going to tell him, let my people go. He's like, Lord, what, they're not going to believe me. What's going to be the sign that they're going to know that I sent you? God's like, watch what I'm going to do. Put your staff down. It's going to turn into this. Pick it up. It's going to turn into that. You're going to go and do this. And there's going to be all these signs to show. And, and Moses is like, thank you, God. You're giving me a sign. I got it. And I got the mission. And he ends up going on the journey. Pharaoh got all kinds of signs. He saw the plagues all around him. Sign after sign after sign that God was saying, turn, turn, turn. And he ignored all of them. So just because you get a sign doesn't mean the sign uh, people lock in on it. Gideon, you might know the story of Gideon. Gideon in the Bible, very cool sign. God tells the smallest dude from the smallest family of the smallest tribe to go against the major army with only a small group of guys. And it sounds impossible. And he's like, God, that sounds crazy what you're asking me to do. I need a sign from you. If that's really you, you got to give me a sign so I will know because you're asking something pretty monumental, God, and I don't know if this is you. So he, he puts what we refer to as a fleece. Everybody say fleece. Fleece. They took, he took some wool of an animal, of, of a sheep or a lamb. He put it on the ground at night when he was sleeping. And, and he said, Lord, if this is you, when I wake up in the morning and the ground is dry, let the fleece be completely wet, but the ground completely dry, and I'll know it's you. So he wakes up in the morning and the ground's completely dry and the fleece is totally wet. And then he says, okay, one more fleece, God. <laughs> Can you do the opposite tomorrow? Can you make the ground all wet from dew, but the fleece completely dry? And he puts that fleece before the Lord. He goes to sleep and wakes up, and sure enough, the ground is wet and the fleece is dry. So we see this through the Bible. There's all kinds of things. In the book of Acts, they're praying for a sign. Uh, when Judas betrayed Jesus, they're like, Lord, we need another apostle. There was 12 apostles. Who's the next one? And they have a couple of guys to pick from, and they're like, Lord, we don't know, uh, but we need a sign from you. And the Bible says they drew lots. Remember the coin flipping I did earlier? It wasn't that crazy. In the Bible, they drew lots. Now, I'm not recommending you flip coins or draw lots. I'm just saying in the New Testament, they drew lots because they knew uh, in Proverbs, it says the lot belongs to the Lord. Like he already knows what it's going to be. And so they, they used this to say, Lord, who is next? And God gave them a sign and said, Matthias is the next guy. You pick him. He's the, the apostle. So signs are through the Bible. Jesus gave many signs. It says this in John 12, 37. You don't have to turn there, but we have it for the screen. Uh, Jesus gave so many signs, but it says this, um, even after Jesus had performed as many signs in their presence, they still uh, would not believe in him. So 
this, this tells us something profound, guys. This is our second point this morning if you want to jot it down. Signs don't always translate to faith. Signs do not always translate to faith. Um, Jesus did tons of signs and people didn't acknowledge them and people didn't turn around and believe. Some did, but many others did not. And so sign after sign after sign with this generation at the book of John, at the end of the book of John, it says Jesus did so many things, so many signs that you couldn't even write them down in the book. So people saw so many signs. Some took that as a sign of faith, move forward. A lot of others did not. The Pharisees are in that camp. They're seeing signs, they're asking for another one. They see signs, they're asking for another one. So signs don't always translate to faith. And that's important in your life because God we're seeing today He's trying to grow you in your faith. He's trying to grow me in my faith. And so he does give signs, but sometimes he doesn't. And when he doesn't, he's not giving you a sign for a reason. He's not necessarily not giving you a sign because the answer is no. Sometimes he's not giving you a sign because it's going to take great faith. And he's trying to grow us all in faith. Like little children, he holds our hands carefully. Pretty soon he, 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 he walks with us and then he says, start running, I'm watching you. Let's watch you run in faith right now. And he tries to grow us in faith, but... For friends, family, even in our own lives, signs don't always translate to greater faith. But let's follow along if we could. We're in Matthew chapter 12. We're going to look at this in sections. Uh, It starts in verse 38, and this is what it says. It says, uh, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given it except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up in judgment against this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom And now something greater than Solomon is here. So these guys are asking for a sign. Again, they just saw plenty of signs. The passage before this, Jesus was doing all kinds of signs. The Pharisees saw it. They said, give us something bigger. We want something bigger. But that's the problem. They keep getting signs and they're not changing their heart. And Jesus brings a comparison up to Jonah right now in this passage. Uh, But how many of you guys know that without faith, it's impossible to please God? Do you guys know that? You need to know that this morning. Without faith, it's in, signs are good. You can ask for a sign. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many of you know that we are called to, to walk by faith and not by sight? You guys know that? Walk by faith, not by sight. Not walk by signs. Walk by faith and not by sight. God may give you signs. He may give you a ton of them. But we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. And then Jesus told Thomas, doubting Thomas, we know the story. He said, blessed are those who believe and do not do you know what? See. See, we want to see. We want to see everything. I need to see a sign, God. Give me a sign. And sometimes he'll bless you with signs, give you signs. I, sometimes God is so cool the way he just drops these signs, these little indicators on our life. But sometimes he doesn't. And Jesus is saying, when you're not getting a sign, the sign you've been waiting for, he's saying, I believe what he's saying to Thomas. Thomas wanted the sign and he wasn't getting the sign. And finally, Jesus shows up with a sign, like glaring sign, and says, Thomas, I'm showing you the sign, but can I just tell you something? I want to grow you up. 
Blessed are those who believe and do not see. So, so signs are good. You can ask for signs, but faith is even greater uh, than a sign. And so the third point this morning to, to write down, if you're a note taker, is this. It takes greater faith to move forward without a sign. It takes greater faith. It takes much greater faith to move forward when you don't have a sign. We want signs, and God, what do we do next? That's when you pray and you wait on the Lord and you hear from God and you read his word and you camp out and you sit at the feet of Jesus and you just start to get a little conviction in your heart and that conviction is the Holy Spirit beginning to nudge you and pull you and lead you and guide you and counsel you and comfort you because that's what the word says he will do. He will never leave. And you go, I don't have the biggest sign. I can't prove it to everyone. I can't say God showed up and did this and changed the flow. I can't say that, but I am listening to the still small voice that scripture says I'm supposed to listen to, and I am taking a step of faith. And that's really important, guys. It takes greater faith to move forward without a sign. If you're praying for a sign, some of you are asking for a sign right now this morning. I'm praying that God answers signs in your life and shows you great things. But more importantly, I I, I pray that you sense a conviction from the Holy Spirit about what God's next step is in your life. Uh, Whether it's a pursuit, whether it's a dream, whether it's a prayer, whether it's something you're creating, whether it's someone you're trying to reach or uh, some uh, adventure you're about to go on, whatever it might be, I pray that you hear that still small voice of the Holy Spirit because that is far greater uh, than a sign. Um, And Jesus tells in this passage, these Pharisees, he goes, you guys want a sign? You're about to get a major sign undeniable sign. It will be the sign of the universe. It'll be a sign that's never been uh, presented before. It's an unmistakable sign. And he goes, here's how you're going to recognize the sign. When you look at the story of Jonah, you're going to see something very familiar with me, and that's going to be your sign. And he said, just as Jonah was inside a great whale, essentially, for three days, how many of you guys know that whales don't chew? No, whales don't chew? So Jonah gets swallowed as big jail, and he's just kind of floating around in there. Things are starting to wear off on him a little bit. He's starting to almost feel like his skin is melting. He's floating in there. And I guess Jonah wasn't kosher because that whale went right up to the shore and poof, spit him out. Spit him out. Just poof, right on Nineveh. He gets spit out. So he comes up out of the water, probably pulling the seaweed off him. If you can imagine him just like getting out of the water, pulling off a bunch of seaweed, walking up there. And they're looking at this guy coming out of the water. They see this, spit, this big old... Uh, Fish spit him out, and he comes out of the water pulling off sea. His skin is all like half-looking weird and splotchy, and he's like, repent, repent. And everyone's like, we hear you, dude. We hear you, man. We, we don't want to be like you, man. We hear you loud and clear, bro. And they go back and tell the whole kingdom, and everyone turns around, and everyone follows God's message. It was an amazing thing that one of Israel's prophets went out of Israel into a Gentile land. It's kind of an unheard of thing. And that's why he didn't want to do the calling. He didn't want to go to the Gentiles. But he went to the Gentiles and the Gentiles heard the message and turned. Jesus is saying, you want the the ultimate sign? It's going to be very similar to that story. Um, uh, You know what's interesting? Jonah came from the area of Galilee and so did Jesus. And remember they said nothing good comes out of Galilee, right? Um, Jesus is like, watch Jonah. You're going to see some similarities with his life and with my life. And he said, just as he was three days in there and came out, it's going to be very similar with me. I'm going to be three days in a grave. The difference with Jesus is Jesus is going to be, as we see on Good Friday, he is going to die. And when he dies, they put a sword in the side until water comes out, which means there's no more blood left. 
And so he fully surrendered his spirit and gave it all. He wasn't just floating inside of a, a belly somewhere. So Jesus, after three days, comes to life and miraculously comes out. He's saying, it sounds impossible, but how many of you guys know with God, nothing's impossible? Nothing's impossible with God. You need to know that. Some signs you're looking for, you're in a pursuit or you're an avenue that you think you need to go. You need to know with God, nothing's impossible, even though some of these things in front of you might seem pretty steep, might seem pretty unsurmountable, like, God, I need a sign. With God, with God, nothing is impossible. Um, so, so Jesus tells them, after three days in the tomb, I'm gonna come out again, and that's gonna be your sign. The sign to the universe and the sign to the Pharisees and the sign that is still broadcasting today from ends of the earth to the ends of the earth, the sign that the entire Christian faith is built upon, our faith is built upon this sign right here. If there's one sign, if there's only one sign that our faith is built upon, it says Jesus died for sins and then he threw off death and he rose again. And our faith is based on the very resurrection of Jesus. And without the resurrection of Jesus, we wouldn't even have a faith. So when it comes to signs, the fourth point this morning is this. After three days, Jesus conquered death as the ultimate sign. The ultimate sign. No one's ever been able to do that in the history of this planet, in the history of humanity, let alone say he's going to do it. And say, I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to pick it up again. Buddha, Gandhi, Krishna, Mohammed, none of these guys would even touch that kind of statement. Jesus is like, watch, pray and wait and learn. I have the power to lay it down. I got the power to pick it up. And that's the ultimate sign for the entire universe. Um, the next part of this really quick is um, the passage we read last week, we saw that Jesus had just cast out an evil spirit out of somebody. And the Pharisees saw it. They just saw this sign, literally in the same setting, the same place. They're not like on a different hill on a different week. They just saw Jesus cast out a demon and they were talking about it. Now Jesus is saying, you guys want a sign? Let me, let me bring up an illustration about signs regarding what you guys just saw earlier to the Pharisees that they would all remember completely. And he uses this analogy about the demon he just cast out. Now it's interesting, he starts talking about what actually happens when the spirit realm kind of invades somebody else's life when the spirit realm is kind of taken over in someone's life, and what happens when that spirit is called out of that person? This is something that you and I don't get to see. We don't really have a lot of uh, things written in scripture about the detail, the detail about the spirit realm this way, but Jesus is like, I'm gonna tell you how it works right now. I'm gonna give you an insight, I'm gonna give you a bird's eye view of what's going on on the inside of that person. It's pretty amazing. And he says this in verse 43, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. And then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied. Everybody sound unoccupied. Unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go and they live there. And the final condition of that person is uh, worse than the first then that is how it will be with this wicked generation. So Jesus explains the detail of what happens in the spirit realm. The impure spirit we saw in the passage, we're not gonna read it right now, but the one he's referring to, you can just go back a, um, you know, earlier in the chapter, he casts out this demon. So we know that when demons come out in Jesus' name, he gives believers, he gives believers 
uh, authority in this area. Now, you might not run into this every day, but if you start serving on Skid Row or some other places where some people are considered delusional or some people are considered evil or some people are considered, you know, whatever, you, you're going to run into some of this where it's, not, it's beyond psychological. There's actually a demonic oppression or possession that exists. Um, when you do ministry, you will encounter this. This is not something that only existed in Jesus' day. And this is what he's saying. He's saying um, when, the, when, when the spirit was, was cast out, uh, that spirit was residing on the inside. It was residing on the inside. It was taken up residence on the inside of the person, and it was cast out. And it says when it was cast out, that person was then, when it came back, the demon come back after being cast out, it came back and saw that the person was unoccupied. So we're talking about being occupied or being unoccupied, and this matters because the de- demonic realm can only do what it can do, listen to this, based on, based on whether someone is occupied or not occupied. Um, and this is really important. Um, I remember years ago, I went to go use this restroom on the job, and I had to use the restroom, and I knock on, knock on the door, and I'm like, uh, hey, is anybody in there? And the guy says, occupado, occupado. It means occupied. Don't come in. I thought he was saying avocado at first. I know some Spanish, but it's occupado. Like, um, it's occupied. I'm like, okay. So I come back later. I'm like, surely this guy's done. And I go to the other, he's like, occupado. And I'm like, uh, there's... There's no getting in when it's occupado, okay? When it's occupied, there's no getting in. So I come back later on, and I'm like, don't tell me, occupado. We both say occupado. I'm like, I get it, I get it. When it's occupado, you're not getting in, okay? It's occupied. And the same is true in the spirit realm. Listen, this guy had a demon that Jesus had cast out. He said the demons come back later on and go, I can't get in. Well, I'm looking at this guy. Everything's clean and in order, but I need to get back in. So he goes and gets seven others, Jesus says, and they come back to get in. And the reason that they try to get back in and do get back in, Jesus is saying, is because everything was clean but unoccupied. Everybody say unoccupied. This is important. This comes up in Greek. It means unoccupied, it means empty, it means vacant. And we're talking about in the spiritual sense inside of a person. We're body, soul, and spirit. We have our own spirit. We're our mind, will, and emotions, our body. But God's spirit is not on the inside of some people. And when God's spirit is not on the inside of some people, there is a way that the demonic realm can have a whole different level of influence than those who are in Christ. This is important. Those who are in Christ. Um, this doesn't get a lot of airplay or spoken a lot about, but it's in the passage where Jesus is going to say, I'm going to give you a detailed view. I need to tell you what it looks like. And so I, wa- I don't want to skip over it today. Jesus is stressing one thing. The demons came back with seven others to do a hostile takeover, literally. And the reason that they could do a hostile takeover is because the person in the story was not occupied. There was a spiritual vacancy on the inside, uh, empty, vacant, unoccupied. However, however, to believers in Jesus, those who follow Jesus, if you consider yourself a Christ follower this morning, if you've made the relationship personal because of what Jesus did for you, then, then you are sealed with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit lives in you. And guess what? You are occupied, occupado. Everybody say occupado. Occupado, hell comes knocking on the door. Occupado, no vacancy. You got to know in the spirit realm, when you have the Holy Spirit living in you, hell already knows it. This doesn't get a lot of airplay, but in a place, in a time, 
Powers, principalities, all this stuff coming up. It's like you already have the spirit in you. This is a sign that can be read in the spirit realm along the way. The demons in the story came to someone who wasn't a believer and go, oh yeah, there's no, there's a vacancy. I see it. You see it? Yep, we see it. All right, let's go get our buddy. Let's all come back and take care, take up on this vacancy. Um, and, and this is what the story is saying. How many of you know scripture says, unless the Lord protects the house, those who protect it, guard it in vain. Those who guard a city, if you guard it, if the Lord's not guarding it, we guard it in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it, build it in vain. And you need to know that your body, listen, your body, Scripture says, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Say temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is your body's the temple and the Holy Spirit lives in you if you're in Christ. And that's the beautiful thing about this. But it's important because you know some people in your life, you might know some people who had a big struggle where hell had a hold on their life. You saw them going through something really bad, really difficult, and then maybe, maybe like the guy in the story, you saw them somehow get their act cleaned up for a little while. Did you have anybody like this? Okay, for a little while, their act is cleaned up. Everything is cleaned up and put in order, put in order. But sometimes, if they don't come to the Lord and ask God to live in them and give them the power to overcome, they are still unoccupied. And sometimes those people will end up in a worse, have ever anybody seen anybody worse than before? Even after a good season, right? And you're like, what happened? They were bad, they got good, they got cleaned up. What happened? How come they're worse than before? Jesus is saying, let me explain how that works in the spiritual realm. They need to be occupied. There there can't be a vacancy. Uh, You have to have the spirit of God. You can't have an emptiness, a vacancy, unoccupied. You gotta be occupied. You gotta have you got to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. Literally, God, come and fill me, live in me. And Scripture has a lot to say about that. The fifth point this morning is this. God's sign, God's sign, God's sign to the spirit realm that you are occupied by the Holy Spirit. That is an epic sign, a monumental sign. One of the greatest signs is God's sign, God's sign to the spirit realm that you are occupied by the Holy Spirit. Um, In the demonic realm, the Bible says greater are the things that are unseen than the things that are seen. So there's a lot going on around us we don't see. But what you do need to know about that is that if you're in Christ, you're more than a conqueror. If you're in Christ, no weapon formed against you will prosper. If you're in Christ, you are occupied, occupado, and nothing's gonna be able to come in and knock down your door because you are, Your body is the temple of uh, the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys know the Holy Spirit does not share residence? The Holy Spirit does not, there's no uh, spiritual couch surfing uh, with the Holy Spirit, okay? No no couch surfing with the Holy Spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit doesn't share residence uh, in your body, in your house, in your your temple. Uh, Ephesians 1.13 says you are marked and sealed with the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 1.14, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? This, is, this means you are occupied. You, there's no vacancy if you're a Christ follower. This applies to those who have accepted Christ. Uh, and that's really po- important. The last one, and this is a sign of being in God's family. And that's where we're gonna go next. In fact, if the worship team wants to come up, that'd be great. It says in Galatians 4.6, you don't have to turn there. It says, because you are sons of God, Because you are sons and daughters, because you are children of God, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. And what that's saying is all of us as Christ followers, in fact, all believers around the world, 
Everyone who follows Jesus around planet earth, every tribe, tongue, and nation that has said yes to Jesus has the Spirit of God living in us and together, together, no matter what our language or our background, if we're in Christ, together, because of the Holy Spirit living in us, we can say, our Father. We can say our Father together. And the reason we can say our Father is because we're in one family. So when the Spirit of God lives in us, we are one family. Here's a sixth point if you want to write this one down. The sign that we are, hashtag family. Someone say hashtag family. The sign that we are hashtag family is the Holy Spirit living in us. And can you imagine if every tribe, tongue, and nation around this planet, all on the count of three, stood up and said, we're family, Father, we love you, and we stood as one person with one voice? Can you imagine what would happen? I think the earth would tip off its access. There's so much power in the people of God if we came and acknowledged the family that we're in as family uh, in unity. It's a profound reality, Scripture tells us. And speaking of family, here's the last quick verse, uh, verse 46. Speaking of family, Jesus talks about family. And he talks about his immediate family that was around him, and he talks about you. And and when he talks about family, he he puts this in a category. And and, and I think he's talking about you in, in a very intense and intentional way. Let's see what it says, verse 46. While Jesus was talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside. Wanting to speak to him, someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to the disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. This is a situation where Mary, Mary is outside the door with brothers of Jesus. There's two other scriptures. The next chapter in Matthew talk about this situation again. And Mark chapter 6, if you want to read more on Jesus' family, talk about this again. Um, So later in Matthew 13 and Mark 6, talk about this. And it actually names four of Jesus' brothers by name four of Jesus' brothers by name, and it says his sisters, which is plural, so there's at least two sisters. There's another passage that says Jesus' brothers and all of his sisters. When you says all of his sisters, I, it makes me think there's probably more than two, but we know there's at least seven siblings, uh, excuse me, six siblings of Jesus. Two of those by name are in the Bible, James, who wrote James, and Jude, who wrote Jude. Many of you, depending on your background, if you're raised Catholic like me, you were told that Mary, Jesus didn't have any brothers and sisters, right? Anybody? Okay. And that the Virgin Mary stayed the Virgin Mary. That's what we were told, right? However, that would not be honoring to God because a marriage isn't even consummated until two come together. So that, that wouldn't be the heart of God at all. And yet we know from church history and all the early believers they clearly saw the family of Jesus. The Greek word here, uh, the Greek word being used is straight up brother and sister. It is not kinsman, cousin, second, you know, whatever. It doesn't mean any of that. They use a completely different word in the Greek for that. This means family, your intimate nuclear family that you live under the roof with, blood brothers and sisters. Of course, this would all be on his mother's side because on his father's side, right? Got a different father? Does Jesus have a different father? Amen. He's got the heavenly father to be his father, but they all have the same mother and this is the story. So what he's saying, they're all piled outside the door and they said they want to talk to you. You know, what, what's going on? They want to speak to you. And Jesus said, listen, talking about hashtag family, let me tell you who my family is. This is Jesus saying, let me tell you who my family is. My family, with due respect to them, my family is whoever does the will of my father. 
If you do my Father's will, you are hashtag family. That's what the family of God is according to Jesus. If you are in the family, if you say you're in the family, if the Spirit lives you in you, if you believe and you want to follow me, that's great. The evidence will be let's do the will of the Father and that's the proof and the evidence that we are hashtag family. If you're a note taker, why don't you write that one down? Uh, doing God's will is the sign that we are in God's family. Um, you know, Jesus is not looking for neutrality. Jesus is not looking for people that are just like cool with him, like I won't bother you and you don't bother me. Jesus is not looking for that. Jesus said, look, you're either for me or against me. He said that last week in the passage. He said, if you're not gathering with me, then you're, you're actually scattering. And some people thought, think, well, I'm not really scattering, I'm just kind of neutral. He's like, no, I'm not looking for neutrality, I'm looking for commitment. If you don't gather with me, you're scattering. This is the heart, words of Jesus. And he's like, you wanna know who family is? Hashtag family is those who do the Father's will. And so we're gonna close right now in a prayer, but I just wanna encourage you this. Um, as I was going through this um, passage and really looking at it closely, I, I always ask the Lord, um, Lord, I wanna be faithful to teach the word of God in, in context. I wanna always correctly divide the word of truth. I always want to ask God to help me uh, bring the word into light in a way that it brings clarity and wisdom and discernment and uh, as scripture says, to correctly divide it. But what I also do is I, I pray, Lord, can you give me, is there something your spirit is saying to the church today? Uh, is there even something maybe prophetic in, in, a, in a word of wisdom or knowledge? Is there any insight? Is there anything you have to say to your church other than your scripture already speaking to us, which is beautiful? And if all we have is scripture speaking to us, hallelujah, that's, that's enough. I believe that. But I always say, God, if you have something, if there is something, uh, what would that be? And I, was, I, I prayed and I listened, and this is what I sensed the Lord said, and I was a little surprised. I want to share it with you. I, I prayed, Lord, what do you want to say to your church? And I, I, I felt you can test this, test everything all the time. I felt the Lord say, everybody's saying to me, give me a sign. But I want to say to them, give me a sign. That Lord, we're coming and we're saying, I want a sign, God, give me another. I need another one. Can I have another one, please? And that you're saying to your children, I love you, but can you, can you give me a sign? And we're thinking, well, wait, wait a second, you're God. Why do you need a sign from me? I just need a sign of your commitment. I need a sign of your love. I need, a, I need a sign that you're a Christ follower. I need, I need a sign that you're a disciple. I, I need a sign that you're gathering with me, that you're for me. I, I need a sign that you're not neutral. I need a sign that you're not lukewarm. And so, Lord, I pray for all of us in this room that we'd have a profound conviction. Although we do ask for signs and look for signs, and some in this room, maybe you're giving them an answer to a sign today. I, I believe you're also saying to us, I want a sign back from you. Um, Lord, I pray that we would have evidence in our life that we are devoted to you. In our prayer time, in our worship time, that we're people who sit at your feet, that we're people that wait on you for answers instead of running ahead with things in our life, God, that we would live it in our, in, in our being selfless and serving others, that we would be the kind of people who are not ashamed of the gospel and to share it, God. We would be the kind of people that put you first in all things, Lord. Our lives would be indicative of people who say, God is on the throne, he's the Lord of my life. So I pray, God, you would smile on the signs of your people. 
And Lord, as we will look to you for more signs, and if you don't speak, we're gonna walk in faith to what your word says. But God, I do pray for signs for everyone in this room. But I also pray in kind, we would respond and say, God, I think you might be looking for a sign from me today. And let me, let me express my love to you this way, God. So show us what that is. Show us what that looks like. And we thank you for that, Lord. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.